Hey everyone, this is Tony Holbein. You're listening to The Revenue Formula. In today's episode, we're going to talk about how to drive expansion from your customer base, leveraging your CSM team, but doing it in the actual right way. Enjoy. Mikkel um, was a bit disconcerting, actually. Yeah. Uh, I came back into the studio and Mikkel was about to jump out of the window <laughs> and uh, i don't think it's funny i don't think we should be littling uh, your mental health issues michael wow no my show notes flew out of the window come on come on come on come on you know what there was just a really terrible episode we recorded before this yeah. and you know wow. so i'm not sure if it's a mental health thing or if it just shows your dedication to the show <laughs> we're like oh the show notes that i could just reprint in like 20 seconds <laughs> <laughs> Let me jump out of the window to kind of fetch them. No, also, actually, we are on the right track. We're, you know, crossed 10K wow. downloads. Amazing. Amazing. I had, my, I had my little son on Spotify click download probably 5,000 times. I yeah, yeah, same. So, but, but then it's my son, the other. Then it, oh, there that's you go. why. That's how hey, we Robin. Did that. <laughs> 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 no, 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 no. So my wife sometimes actually listens to this. Yeah. Who would have thought? Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, she's on RevOps as well, so that makes a little bit sense. But, uh, you know, when we sometimes jump in the car, uh, it's only my voice playing. Yeah. And, and yours, obviously, it's so weird. Should we create like a separate podcast where we just mute your part out and then it's just me? Because I'm thinking maybe it's too much to listen to you yeah but it, you know it's more like uh then it's more of a white noise podcast <laughs> it's gonna be like 15 minutes of <laughs> yeah. silence and then some yep mm, uh-huh <laughs> thank you everyone bye <laughs> <laughs> wow that was a long intro okay so what are we actually gonna talk about i completely forgot no what? we're gonna talk about customer experience i think and re you know growing through something expansion expansion um the other x word the other x word <laughs> No, so I um, one of the things that I found before uh, us hitting record here was there's this rule of thumb that a CSM should carry one million dollar to their name, mm -hmm. and then I started reflecting over some of the conversations we've had with capacity planning, where it's quota on the street and the quota someone carries is probably the wrong way to look at it because how many opportunities can they work? Yeah, and I started thinking about it the same way here, so. So I mean, uh, I can I can tell you why that is uh, wh where it came from. I can tell you that. Yeah. Um, and it basically came from the idea that, and I'm going a little bit high up, and then I'll come down again. But your gross margin should be eighty percent. Mm -hmm. That's where the idea is coming from. And then out of the you know twenty percent that you're paying for your you know to maintain your customers, ten percent will be data and servers and 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 maintenance and stuff yeah. like that. The other ten percent will be the services team. Yeah. So the CSM, you know, to a degree. And there's obviously a mix in this. So what does that mean? Does that that basically means that 10% needs to be the ratio, roughly, of the CSM salary yeah. to the amount of revenue they need to carry. Yeah. That's where this idea came from. And basically then you had people in the Bay Area as CSMs earning uh, 100K per year. And guess what? CFO said, okay, if I divide this by 10%, oh, I get to a million. Mm. Solved. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's uh. that's how it happened. I kid you not. Um and um and obviously kind of the, the, the better way to look at this is um 
you know, what are the CSMs doing? Yeah. Uh, again, the limiter is daylight. Yeah. So what are they doing during the day? And and you would basically you know, take the customer life cycle here. Yeah. So how many touches do you need to do per year? It's going to be more on the onboarding than it's later on and blah, blah, blah. You figure out how much time that is, plus some buffers of sickness and holiday and scheduling time in between and, and inefficiencies, basically. And then you see how many times you can repeat that, aka yeah. per customer, per year. And then you get how many customers a CSM can carry. And then you better hope that that equals a million or, or whatever, or 10x whatever salary you, you pay that CSM. And uh, that's that's a better way to go about it. Yeah. So what we really wanted to get into today is mm. there's a lot of focus on sales and marketing in terms of growth, right? Yeah. That's really where the focus is. But a SaaS business is recurring revenue. That's how the business is built. Yep. And who is the caretaker of that revenue? Well, it's really, you know, CS. And we wanted to kind of peel the onion bit around how do you grow through your existing customers? We've talked about um, the 10% rule in the past for how to plan, right? You can apply some of those principles here. But we also talked about price hikes and how that compounds. Mm. And I think this is really some of the key points. Yeah. So the thing is, for the last year, when I've been on uh, sales calls or discovery calls or customer calls or, or just kind of chatting with people in the industry, mm. everyone was like, oh, you know, the board decided we're going to have major focus on efficiency and major focus on our customer growth. Yeah. Uh, and so why why both of them? Well, efficiency, obviously, that kind of makes sense. Yeah. And customer growth, well, guess what? It's the most efficient channel that you can have. Yeah. Right? Uh, so all of those magical boards came up with like, hey, those are the two levers we should be pulling and focusing on. What happened now, though, is especially on the efficiency side, which usually is around sales and marketing, um, the world kind of turned into the opposite direction in many cases. You know, sales cycles prolong, conversion mm. rates drop, ACVs drop. Yeah. And uh, really, you know, you have lots of efficiency being, being deployed, but it's almost not, you know, uh, yeah. enough to kind of hold the tide here. And then on the customer growth side, you basically have every single IT budget is under pressure right now and you have just so much churn going on. Yeah. Uh, so both of these levers kind of failed for most organizations. And uh, and what we wanted to talk about today is kind of at least the second one on the, you know, how can you drive more growth from your existing base? Yeah. What can you actually do here in order to try and figure this out? Mm. Um, and yes, let's dive into it. So raise prices, end of episode. Thank you very much. Yes, raise Bye. prices. No. That's that's exactly what you should be doing. Um, and no. let's talk through the let's talk through the contractual requirements in order to achieve that. Yeah, right yeah, yeah. No, so I think um, the the first step, I think before we get to all the let's say the tactical elements, there's someone who will carry out work. Yeah. The CSM, right? Yeah. And they're key part of the organization in order to unlock some of that growth, right? How do you work with them? in order to get there? What are some of the core yeah. elements? So if you are in the position to have CSMs, it's kind mm. of that's a, probably kind of number one, right? You need to be above a certain threshold in ACV in order to be able to, to afford that. Um, so that's great. Then you have someone that is working with your customer, not on a troubleshooting basis, but yeah. on you know building success for the customer, right? So this is fantastic. What many other, what many organizations then struggle a little bit with is should I give this CSM um, basically a quota. Yeah. Should I have that CSM be a salesperson with a customer success title? And you can land on both sides of this thing. I would actually heavily suggest to not make them into uh, sales reps on your customer side. Yeah. I would give this the sales work. I would hand that to account management, if you have something like that, 
or to the account executive who sold this deal originally. Mm. I would try and separate those two things um, for the sake of the customer. Yeah. Because the customer, if, if they realize that your CSM is really just a salesperson, you know, driving success really means driving more revenue, yeah. right? Kind of that's very clear then suddenly. Obviously, that's the whole idea. Don't get me wrong, but that's suddenly very clear in your relationship. And if you then have a CSM being in your inbox on quarter end asking you to sign this document and stuff, yeah, you can see how this relationship is really quickly deteriorating between the, the customer, the user, whoever, and then the CSM, yeah. right? So you, you don't want to, if you can afford to, you don't actually want to have that happen. What you want to have happen is that the CSM is and stays the the friend of the customer. Mm. You know, uh, that, that should be the idea. Uh, that can sometimes even be a little bit to the detriment of the company, right? They could say, hey, this package, the smaller package is actually better for you, blah, yeah. blah. They could do stuff like that um, in, in, in measured ways, though. Um, but... Um, what they can do, because people will be like, okay, so CSMs, you know, they're out of the upsell game. I, I don't think so. They're very much in it. They're very much the ones that actually can achieve it. Mm. So how? And the how is through discovery. Mm. So if you're building a really strong relationship between CSM and the customer, they will over time have earned the right to ask a couple of questions. Yeah. And those questions can be very innocent on the surface, but they're obviously driven by a little bit of an agenda of the CSM. And uh, those are typical discovery questions. Yeah. Right? So uh, let's just say maybe you acquired a new company, um, you have a new product now, and you want to cross-sell into your existing base. The CSMs can just, you know, hey, you know, you know you're obviously doing this here in, in, in this app. What are you doing? Do you have this work stream? This yeah. other work stream? It's like, uh, yeah, we have that. Uh, so how do you solve that today? Uh, we'll be using Excel and emails and whatever. Yeah. Okay, and you know, if you had a magic wand, how should it actually be? And you know, ideally, then this fucking customer says, like, well, you know, it should be part of your solution or it should yeah. be integrated or whatever, <laughs> right? And basically, what the CSM is doing here is a discovery and trying to uncover pains or needs, however you want to kind of call that, yeah. through ideally a set of questions. And don't get me wrong, the CSMs need to be trained to do this stuff. Yeah, so this is not, you know, discovery is an actual skill. As many people know, is in sales, it's you need to learn that, mm. um, and you need to teach it also to the CSMs. Yeah, and then basically the the way you approach it is then the soft close is, hey, we actually have an offering for that. Would you mind if I put you in contact with one of our, you can say sales reps, yeah. or one of our product specialists, or you know, to take it from here, right? So that's the soft close, and then they say yes or they say no, and if they say yes, you just book the meeting. Mm. So, I mean, this is literally a CS qualified opportunity, <laughs> I guess. Uh, yeah. CSQO. Yeah. <laughs> we'll work a bit on it. Well, we'll work on yeah. this one. Uh, but uh, basically, that's that's what happened there, yeah, right? Yeah. And I think uh, then you also kind of have a nice handover. You create the opportunity. You then have the AE or the AM go in and close win it and work yeah. through this. But the, and, and this didn't hurt the relationship, right? This was a honest conversation of, I can help solve some of your business problems. Yeah. And yeah, some of that problem we can maybe solve. And yes, that will cost you something. Yeah. Okay. So that's, that's kind of a part of the, the whole setup, right? So there's also the other dimension is how do you enable expansion? Because the CSMs at the end of the day can only do so much, right? There will be some structures that they're operating within. So I think let's get into some of the uh, expansion strategies. And we've prepared 
four plus maybe one or two bonus ones. Why didn't you didn't say six or something? I don't know. Now it's four plus yeah. bonus. So I think they're the 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 four standard ones, and maybe the other ones are also standard. You know, let's see. But number one is obviously try and make the usage solid, have it grow or whatever. Have it hit a specific threshold that you think your product should be used, you know, to that degree. And it doesn't matter whether or not you are, a, you know, a company that prices on usage or not. It nothing to do with that. Um, if you do, great. If you don't, still great. Mm. Uh, because you basically cannot drive uh, your customers to drive more value from from your app, from your solution. Uh, and and by default, you will make it more sticky, right? Kind of yeah. this is some of the PLG learnings. It's like tr- make them form a habit. Yeah. Um, and then you will become more sticky through that, right? Uh, so this is number one, you know, increase usage, whether or not you can uh, monetize on that. Number two, and this is also very much pricing and packaging, mm-hmm. right? So if if you don't have stuff to upsell, it's going to be really difficult to upsell. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's really, um, you know, having more of those tiers, more of those yeah. add-ons, more of those things, um, that's basically kind of how you drive upsell. And And the next one literally is, Try and move them from the basic tier to the pro tier. Yeah. Or whatever whatever thing you have. And obviously, you know, there needs to be a good business case for that and so forth. Um, but that is kind of the second level of upsell. Right? Yeah. Kind of get them from, you know, one package to the next package, basically. Uh, the third one is, and again, you should be offering this in your pricing and packaging. And those are then distinctly different from those different tiers. Yeah is additions to their current package. Yeah. Um, hey, I'm not ready for the next package, but I would like to have this module. You know, it costs me a bit more if I buy it separately, I know, but I don't need the other stuff yet, so I want to have the add-on. Or yeah. I want to have more users. Or I want to have whatever the frack, right? Yeah. Um, so really kind of drive those, those add-ons. And the last one is basically kind of full-on new products. Whether, whether you call it cross-sell or we call it, uh, you know, something else, yeah. you know, get them to adopt another product uh, that, that you're kind of offering, you know, all together. Yeah. I think a cool one I saw recently was on the add-ons by, is it Patrick Campbell, I believe? Um, yeah. He talked a bit about, well, the most obvious change you can make is priority support as an add-on. People will pay for that. It's pr- like he presented a bunch of data to prove it. Yeah. And it's just so easy to do. And it's not like it's going to compromise the support. People just get routed in front of the line and yeah. you still need to have awesome support, obviously. Yeah, I think this was a pretty... Because he was also talking about, hey, you can literally kind of flick that switch today. Yeah, yeah you can go and do you it You don't now. need to hire any more people. You just yeah. flick the switch today and you get more money. And his pitch was basically... And he showed a bunch of data, what people um, you know, value and so forth. And yeah. priority support was one of them. And it's basically like, hey, offer people to buy priority support. And it doesn't mean that you, <laughs> you know, your overall resolution time will stay the exact same. Yeah. The order of things will just change. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, so people that get priority, they just get into, you know, this annoying lane in the airport or in the <laughs> restaurant <laughs> where people are allowed to cut in front of you. Unless that's, if you have kids. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, that's, that's basically what he's talking about. Yeah. Right. So, and, 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 you know, I'm not sure what, what number you mentioned there, but I can see a couple of people going for that for sure. Yeah, I think it was like, it was kind of significant. We were talking like at least 10% of mm. the uh, contract value. Yeah. And I think the interesting bit as well is there's plenty of companies that have add-ons, but I wonder, are they actually selling any of them? And I think that's also a core part to make sure that the add-ons you actually have 
their product on the shelves that people want to then go and buy and yeah. add on top of their contract. They see the value, right? Yeah. And that by default sometimes means that you need to take away certain functionality or certain elements from the separate tiers, right? Yeah, or it just means you need to pitch it. I mean, it's this typical McDonald's thing, right? Yeah, yeah. Do you want to have a Coke with that? Yeah. <laughs> Do you want to have fries with that? Do you want to have large fries with that? Yeah. I mean, every time someone says that, it's like a... That's the upsell strategy of the McDonald's corporation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and it's you go to Starbucks, you go to any any of those stores. Yeah, the same. That's basically what they're doing. Yeah. And this whole thing, you know, with whom I was discussing that, it was a while back. Uh, so basically, you go to Starbucks, and I forgot what the specific example was, but you pay for this latte. I don't know. Yeah. yeah. Ten dollars or something. I don't know. Yeah. Big number, five dollars, right? Um, and then uh, they basically kind of offer you to upgrade or add on or something like yeah, this yeah, yeah. for a ridiculously small amount. Yeah. And you think like, how can this work? If I pay $5 for this, how can I only pay like $2 for this? Yeah. And what they realized is once you're in the store, that's the expensive piece, yeah. right? It's basically kind of think about the street is Google yeah. search <laughs> uh, and the store is you clicked it. Yeah. So they basically paid for you walking through the door. Yeah. And now what they need to do is they need to, they need to turn you profitable. Yeah. And, you know, they know that they don't get you profitable, maybe, or, yeah. you know, you know, with this one latter. Um, and it's not that they have like a cost problem where no. they're kind of, you know, operating at cost, you no, know, no, need no, to really no. tweak their margins, not, not with, not with like $5 a cup kind of things. They now need to just, you know, sell you whatever the fuck they can yeah. by just a little bit. So they get from, you know, I, I, I must, I must imagine like Starbucks is probably like crazy margins. Yeah to even more insane margin, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, that's that's why they can kind of afford to kind of give it almost away. Right? Yeah, but I think it's so, so I also have just a, uh, funny enough, a retail example. If you look at grocery stores, the, the design of the floor is actually key. It is absolutely critical, again, for you to get a profitable customer. So what they figured out is, they obviously structure the so kind of like IKEA, right? It's a maze, but you, you're forced to go through the entire store. Yeah. Uh, what they did in, in uh, grocery stores is they determined the most important products. So it's usually milk and It's at the opposite end of the store. It's at the opposite end yes. of the store. And then you're forced to walk all the way through and they have all these core offers yeah. along the way that will make you a profitable customer. And I think it's kind of the same when you look at these, whether it's the add-ons or the tiers, there has to be a structure for people to discover those yeah. and desire those, right? And so there's a lot of research around, hey, you know, you can make it available to people initially. So if you sign on a new customer, maybe the first four months, guess what? They do have priority support. And then when it ends up, the CSM goes, so Tony, have you been enjoying the support? It's like, yes, great, you're answering so fast. So just so you know, next week you go regular queue. I'm going to break do you up wanna, with you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, I was I was going to even more retail examples in my head. Yeah, but, uh, maybe maybe they are directly transferable into SaaS. Yeah, Always. so the the I, I have to bring it now. So the uh, I'm not sure how to. Trans By the way, for everyone to know, we actually switch directions a little bit. We're going to be a retail podcast. <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, no, but the uh, um, so this whole maze thing just triggered the casino example. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because you're in the casino, and it's really difficult. It's easy to find your way in. It's yeah. really difficult to find your way out. Yeah. And it's literally designed like a like a maze. Yeah. If you then you know combo that with free or very cheap drinks. Yeah. You basically, literally, you cannot find your way out. You no. basically get stuck there. It's like, well, let's, let's just play some more. Yeah. You know? <laughs> <laughs> so design your product like a maze. I thought you were going to say casino, but okay, cool. Yeah. yeah. 
Okay, um, so those were the four, you know, kind yeah, of the, the, the classic main yeah. ones, right? Again, kind of try and increase grow uh, usage, try, uh, you know, upsell a tier, try and add an add-on mm. uh, and try and kind of port them into another product if yeah. you can, right? One other one, also very classic, actually, when you think about it, referral. Yeah. Yeah. So should that be technically be counted as net retention or net dollar retention or whatever? No. But it's kind of extremely efficient, and it's running through a CS team. Yeah. So um, I think they 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 can help with that. Yeah. Right. And again, two ways to do it. Number one, make it easy in the product mm. for them to click it, and make it make it part of the CSM's job. You know, somewhere in the life cycle. Yeah. To ask where, hey, do I have some friends that might also benefit from this? Right. And uh, you know, instead of making this an NPS question where they can say like nine, <laughs> <laughs> nine, <laughs> ten. <laughs> um, make it a make it a call to action yeah. and ask them like okay do you have them you know who who would it be blah blah, blah. Yeah, yeah. need to figure out how deep you want to go with that but certainly trigger it at least it's, it's again it's like the McDonald's person saying do you want to fries with that yeah, yeah. you know trigger trigger yeah. the, the situation and um, you know what we have done is actually if if this was done by a, by a CS person and then you know there was a CS qualified lead or something like that coming out of it mm. um, uh, and then closing into business, we actually counted it against their net retention target. Yeah. Uh, again, financially speaking, you you know, you shouldn't be doing that. No. It's, it's new business versus retaining business. But uh, basically for the uh, CSM role, we added it to it. Yeah. And then the last one, and it's, um, you know, I see that pop up a lot. I don't see a lot of people actually doing it though. Track your users and decision makers for when they leave their jobs, they will go somewhere else. And mm. guess what? So number one, when they leave their jobs, if the DM leaves their job, you have a problem right there. I need to fix it mm. like immediately, right? Uh, so that that you know movement to action happens all the time. What rarely happens is the uh, opportunity coming out of this. If you had a good relationship, follow that person around. Be like, hey, um, you know, in your new job, do you want to you know, do want to take a look? Uh, because usually they kind of have the same issue, yeah. right? Usually if you design a product that is around a specific role, guess what? They're going to have that role then also and then your product uh, mm. company because that person moved there, right? Yeah. So, you know, bring this up. And again, what we did is if this was coming from a CS person, we actually logged it as a, we called it net retention plus, an yeah. R plus. And it was actually nicely used by the team. Yeah. Okay, so I think we covered a couple of things here around the structure with the CSMs. We covered... Basically, for let's say very common practices to have in place to enable expansion, and then two on top. Yeah, and I think you know many people might now be wondering, okay, but um, you're asking your CSMs to do all kinds of that stuff. Do you incentivize them? Yeah, and and maybe just quickly here. I really don't like incentivizing CSMs. I don't like it. Doesn't mean that I wouldn't do it again or that you shouldn't be doing it. Um, but a couple of learnings from from the stuff that I've seen in the past that works and maybe doesn't work. So number one, if you do incentivize them, you know, step one, make sure that they're not asking for a commission because they're generally underpaid. Mm. That's usually the main issue. Yeah. Make sure that they're kind of asking for that to keep the incentives aligned and give them a little bit of a high five. Uh, with CSMs, I wouldn't go to a 50-50 kind of distribution. I would maybe do 80-20, 20 being the variable. So make it... Make it significant, but not crazy. Yeah. yeah. And I think the major unlock here is if you structure the CS team, like I just mentioned, to be the friend of the customer, the major unlock is to use team quotas. 
and not individual ones. Yeah. Yeah. So, and many people are like, ah, you have this, uh, what is it? The Yeah, they're going to have a lot of internal conflicts if there's someone who is a slacker that basically is just in the slipstream of... Yeah, exactly. What is it called? The um, uh, code, code tail writing or something yeah, like that. Yeah, right along um, the road. Um, and you know what? I haven't seen that all that much. Uh, so don't create, you know, one team of 100 people. Mm. Then you have anonymity kicking in. Yeah, you will see it. Create teams of 10. Yeah. which makes sense because you will have a manager that manages 10 people. And uh, if someone is slacking, that will become very obvious very quickly. Yeah. And actually the social pressure will be much higher on that slacker than it otherwise would be if he or she would be carrying her own quarter, mm -hmm. a quota and kind of would just be a manager conversation. Yeah. It's actually a good social trick yeah. uh, to create that, that team thing around it. Obviously you have dashboards and all of that stuff open so they can, they can see where they're trending. But it also helps with a couple of, you know, things that sometimes are shitty for the CSM world, which is, let's just say you have a 90 or 60 days notice period. When you walk into that quarter, uh, you kind of know what the result is going to be. Yeah. You know, and sure, you might have some win backs and some, you know, something like that, but, you know, rare. So really, if you have just one portfolio, if you're just one person and you have a renewal cohort for the, just that quarter, and it's not looking that great, you know, there, there will be no way for you to make it up. Mm. Forget about it, yeah. right? Um, so having this burden shared across 10 people makes it just a little bit more feasible for everyone to still, you know, have a chance to actually hit target. And what usually happens is, you know, the highs and the lows, they cancel each other out, Yeah. right? So basically, you know, what you would then will have, you have a kind of a steady, okay, we kind of aim to get very close to... I don't know, our renewal target or net retention target. Yeah. Uh, and let's try and find some more opportunities, some more leads here through us yeah. uh, that can then close and actually count in our favor. Yeah? I think what I like about it is also it, in, it it helps with the collaboration piece, right? If it was individual, then would you spend time helping, you know, that struggling other person or deal with your own little compartment, right? Yeah. So that's that's the other side of the coin. When you do it on the team level, you get kind of rid of that behavior yeah. to a degree no right? exactly you have people kind of stepping in and so forth so there's a couple you know good stuff coming out from those team quarters which i feel a lot of people are afraid of mm. and ah we can't do it in sales and i probably also wouldn't do it in sales but i think on the csm side it uh, it can make sense yeah and again you know obviously you're gonna um you you're gonna um, comp them against net retention rate mm -hmm. People like Jason Lemkin are starting to say like, hey, it should really only be gross retention rate because maybe, you know, something else is, is, is working uh, easily already. But I wouldn't be so complacent. I think I would put it against net retention rate, but I would definitely add referrals, you know, uh, new job pieces mm -hmm. and this whole CS qualified opportunity where they do the discovery and then hand it over to an AM who then close it uh, would count all of that into this NR yeah. plus kind of number. Okay. You've been uh, you've been podcasting quite a lot lately, my friend. Have You're a busy man, Mr. Podcaster. Yeah, we have actually another thing coming up. Yeah. I'm uh, I'm creating a podcast with a very knowledgeable German guy in English, though. Yeah. Uh, oh. From Project A, hosted by Project A, mm -hmm. one of our investors. And uh, yeah, more on that later on. We don't know a couple of things, but. My, you know, not today, but the last week, I think I podcasted for <laughs> six or seven hours. 
And people would be like, wait a minute, isn't he like a CEO yeah. of like a, what the fuck is he doing all day long? <laughs> yeah, you know, I just sit here on the microphone. And, and by the way, also when we're not recording, I just sit here and talk. Yeah, that's you know, true. Into the emptiness. <laughs> I can attest <laughs> to that. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not doing anything else but this. So, um, no, people think uh, we're building a SaaS company, but it's a media company. It's actually, it's yeah, yeah. Company. That's what it is. The SaaS but, thing, yeah. I mean, come on. It's done by but now. But actually, by now, uh, you know, request a demo. You know, go yeah. and click. <laughs> <laughs> Such a strong right hook. Yeah, there you go. Thanks so much, Tony. And thank you, dear listener. Hope Thanks, you enjoyed everyone. it. Thanks, Mikkel. Have a good one. Bye-bye. <laughs>